Galactus mom has got it going on You're all I want and wait for so long Galactus can't you see that your mom's good for me No it might be wrong Galactus mom is going on Hello Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald Live post-op version had surgery this morning. I'm here. I'm tired. Achy. And I'm ready to talk comics. <laughs> so we're going to get a sitting down post-op comic book herald live. Look at that. I still got the hospital band on. Probably should have taken that off. <laughs> but let's do this. I have no notes. I have no notes. I've In general, I have no notes for comics. Comics are great. No notes. No complaints. Um, definitely get in your questions, get in your thoughts, get in your comments. And this will be like a light and breezy FAQ edition of Comic Book Herald Live. We can talk about the Judgment Day tie-ins. We can talk about the comics that came out today. We can talk about what's going on in the world of pop culture. And, uh, and it should be a good time. Uh, first off, thanks to all of you who... So I'm Dave with Comic Book Herald. Um, you can find all stuff at compacherald.com, at compacherald on social and all that fun stuff. And of course here on the Comic Herald YouTube channel. Um, uh, thanks. Last week I, I posted that I had an emergency medical experience and uh, everything's all right. Had surgery today. Things are going as planned. Uh, I'm doing fine. So I'm doing all right. Thanks to everybody who extended well wishes and, um, and you know, sent some thoughts and, and nice comments and all that fun stuff. That was super appreciated. And, uh, and really nice to see. So thank you to those of you who did that. Um, to those of you who didn't, I, I noticed. I, I wrote you down on a list. It's a very long list. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll be addressing that over the course of the next few weeks. But in the meantime, let's talk comics, baby. All right, so we're starting early. I'm sitting down. I'm post-op. Got some meds flowing. Let's do this, puppy. Get in any and all questions and comments. Again, I have, like, nothing prepared <laughs> so we can just address whatever if we want to uh certainly you know because we didn't have a live stream last week definitely we can talk about judgment day number five a little bit that was the big event issue that came out last week um today in the world of judgment day we had an amazing spider-man and an acts avengers tie-ins uh both of which were effectively kind of character studies on iron man and spider-man respectively uh and then there was x-men number 15 an issue written by jerry duggan we got josh kassara on art which heck yeah josh kassara is amazing uh, it's a children of the vault follow-up story and it was uh, relatively interesting. So we can talk about that one as well. Plus, I've been catching up on Defenders Beyond, the Al Ewing-Javier Rodriguez Marvel Cosmic Joint, uh, which is very, very fun if you love super high-concept Marvel Cosmic stuff. Today's issue was all about the Phoenix. There's been some references to, like, Dominion and stuff and X-Men stuff. So we could talk about that. Oh, plus just classic Secret Wars Beyonder. I'm a huge 80s Secret Wars fan. It's one of my favorite early comics that I read, getting into comics. It's one of my favorite Marvel events. Uh, and of course, Ewing and, and Rodriguez are dealing with the Beyonder, but not only the Beyonder, they're also connecting it more uh, integratedly, more thoroughly to the Jonathan Hickman creation, the Beyonders, from his 2015 Secret Wars. So like Ewing and Rodriguez are putting in the work to sort of make all of Marvel Cosmic mesh. Uh, he's doing a ton of stuff with his his various variations of Marvel Cosmos that have existed throughout time. This is something that he started back in the pages of Ultimates, which is a one of the best post-Secret Wars series um, uh, circa 2016. There's a really interesting saga Ewing's been weaving throughout the Marvel Cosmic landscape now from Ultimates through... Defenders. Uh, there was just a Defenders miniseries last year that was five issues, and now Defenders Beyond. And of course, a lot of this stuff has come up in other um, works that Ewing has written as well, but it's all often very interesting stuff, especially if you're a big old Marvel Cosmic continuity nerd like yours truly, right? So we can talk about that in a little more detail. Um, I don't know if there's going to be like a ton of speci specificity that I want to get into other than to say like Ewing's trying to do the work. He's trying to do the work with the minions and all that wild stuff. Um, and that's pretty exciting. So I'm just grabbing some of these questions you all have coming in here in the chat. I'm going to be doing that throughout as I talk. Uh, so keep them coming and we'll address all of these as well. Interesting comment here from Timothy. This is the most organized major comic event I've read 
in a long time. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're definitely right. Like this is, if I think it's really good, right? But that's one thing, right? The 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 quality of it, the organization of it, the fact that all the issues are generally coming out like in sequence as they should be is often pretty rare with Marvel comic events. You know, if you just go reading according to publication order, most Marvel comic events have a hard time with that, which is why a site like Comic Book Herald has thrived <laughs> on reading orders for events. Because if you just go by publication order, a lot of times stuff is is kind of all over the place. Um, Axe Judgment Day has been pretty stinking good about that. Uh, there are definitely um, differences. Uh, you know, there are definitely variations that have popped up, but generally not. It feels pretty tight. It feels pretty seamless. Everything has some relevance, right? Some relevance. Um, and like I thought last week actually was a really cool example of how good Judgment Day has been because of course we have the big issue number five. We have an event issue, but then we have Avengers. I think it's number 60 written by Mark Russell and, uh, the Fantastic Four issue. I think it's 47 written by David Popos. And so often when tie-ins hit ongoing runs, when they hit runs that are like in the middle of something, it can feel incredibly disruptive. Uh, I loved the approach with Avengers and Fantastic Four of actually having not the standard creative team, but it's, but particularly not the standard writer write those issues. Now, if you're an Avengers fan, first off, raise your hand because I haven't met one <laughs> since like 2018. Um, but the Jason Aaron run, if you're a fan of that run, Issue number 60 is probably really weird, right? It's like, okay, we got Mark Russell writing. It's not even an Aaron joint. Um, we got a different artist. And it's like a Hawkeye character study in the midst of Judgment Day. I mean, in a lot of ways, it is an Axe Avengers tie-in type book. It's just labeled Avengers number 60. I don't know. Personally, I actually found that pretty enjoyable. I guess part of that is I'm not collecting these runs. I'm not into where Avengers has been. I haven't been into where Fantastic Four has been, although I'm very excited about where it's going with Ryan North taking over as the writer there. Um, but I thought both those issues were really good. They're really good examples of tie-ins that just kind of flow. And I think Judgment Day, it's actually fairly comparable to Original Sin, not on a quality ranking it level, but on a, the premise is very clear about if you're writing a tie-in for this, what can you do? And in this case, it's like looking at how characters uh, evaluate themselves, how they are seen through the eyes of their peers, and often sort of what their greatest Marvel Comics, you know, baggage is and addressing that, which we saw in, in massive ways today in Amazing Spider-Man number 10, where Zeb Wells and guest artist Nick Dragota, who is one of my favorite artists in comics, Ghost Cage is one of my favorite comics in 2021, check out that Image comic series, Dragota is also the artist of East of West, on um with Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I actually thought Jurgota was not a especially good fit for this issue of Amazing Spider-Man, if I'm totally honest. Um it didn't really give him a chance to do the things that he's great at, in my view. Nonetheless, a really good issue. Uh and it's 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 of course focused on, you know, Peter Parker losing Gwen Stacy and the guilt and the blame he puts on himself. Um, but it doesn't do the thing that so many Spider-Man writers have fell into over the years of like going full Spider-Man blue, a la the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale miniseries, uh, where it's just fully retrospective grief, grief and and sadness and lamenting that lost relationship. Um, it's kind of just hanging over the whole thing and then kind of addressed at the end. It's done pretty well. But big picture, what Judgment Day allows you to do is it allows you to look at, okay, how do we judge these characters? in terms of whether they're worthy or not. Um, and it allows these, you know, fairly interesting, often exciting character studies. My favorite of the whole bunch was probably the Mark Russell Hawkeye Avengers one. Uh, it was really well done. It was really well done just in terms of analyzing like, okay, if we're going to do this thing of analyzing these characters and determining their worth, what does that mean? How do we go about evaluating someone's worth? Uh, Mark Russell did what he does best and he made it sort of a social commentary. On, on what it means to, you know, be your best self and those sorts of things. So, yeah, there's been some good stuff. There's been some good stuff. Um, but, yeah, I did think the Spidey one today was effective, if not as affecting 
as maybe I would have expected. You know, if we're saying, okay, we're going to do a Peter Gwynn story, there's a, there's some trepidation that that's going to be really sad, that that's going to really tug at the heartstrings. Um, I'm very susceptible to that these days. <laughs> I used to joke, I used to joke that I only cried when old wizards died or when friends touched hands. <laughs> so like Gandalf, uh, Dumbledore, uh, back when, back when that was acceptable and, um, uh, friends touching hands would be like Ben and Johnny in Hickman's Fantastic Four three arc. And of course, Kirk and Spock. Okay. Some examples, uh, ever since I become a parent that has totally changed. That has completely changed. I, the waterworks are open. My tear ducts are much larger than they used to be. Uh, I wept like a baby when I finished Cormac McCarthy's The Road earlier this year. Uh, I read a graphic novel recently. It's not out yet. It comes out in November via Abrams Comics Arts. It's called Ronin and the Endless Sea of Stars. Um, if you're a parent, and you're probably not precluded if you're not, but if you're a parent, it is a, a absolute uh, waterworks guaranteed kind of graphic novel. Often I don't even want to embrace that kind of read, but in this case I did. That got me going as well. It's it's currently, I think it's the 30th now book I've added to the best comics of 2022 because I found it so affecting. Um, you can find that list on comicbookherald.com. Of course, you just Google best comics 22, look for the CVH list. Uh, but anyway, long story short, Main Spider-Man didn't, you know, it didn't pull that for me, but it was effective. It was effective. Um, I've gathered there's a lot of divisiveness with the Zeb Wells Amazing Spider-Man run. Uh, I think it is... It's 10 issues in now. I have not once thought it was great, but I have pretty consistently thought it was enjoyable. Um, I think this issue is kind of a standout. I think last week's issue, the Hellfire Galantian, was the least I've enjoyed it <laughs> because it just did so little with the premise. But otherwise, I would say like I'm, I'm not hook, line, and sinker invested in the Wells Romita Jr. era of Amazing Spider-Man but I am definitely curious to see where it goes. Like it's not, I, it's not going on my favorite, but I find it very readable in pleasant ways. I would like to see it hit another gear and it feels like a book that can, you know, it feels like a book that could. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at on the Spidey issue. Let's see what questions we got coming in here. Bill asks, uh, did you see the data page at the end of X-Men Unlimited, X-Men Green number two? Uh, no, because I'm not, I would not buy that, um, the X-Men Unlimited books. I, I just, I do not have interest or capacity to buy them in print and double up on that. Having read the, um, you know, the comic already on Marvel Unlimited, uh, that said, that's interesting that there are, I guess, data pages that are not included on the Marvel Unlimited runs, um. I guess I'd be curious to see that. See, Bill says here, I'm surprised Jerry connected this into post-Inferno, post-future Moira's robotic arrival. Um, if you want to explain what that means, I'd be happy to take a look at that. Uh, is Ebel's run reader-friendly? I haven't read a single Spider-Man comic in my life. Let there be witches, says. Uh, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I don't... I think it's reader-friendly... It is definitely indebted to Spider-Man history and continuity. You know, um, I think it is. It's, so it's kind of throwing us all in. Um, oh, what's the Latin phrase? <laughs> when you're in the middle of something that I mentioned on post-op. Uh, not deus ex machina. Uh, we're going to get there. Not non sequitur. Um, oh, when you're thrown right in to the action. <laughs> Oh boy, the brain is not functioning as it should be today. Regardless, we're thrown right into the middle of things with kind of a mystery that is still lingering, I would argue, too long at this point. Um, I don't think it's as effective as probably they, they wanted it to be. Um, the preceding Fresh Start arc written by Nick Spencer was more new reader friendly, I would say. Um, that was definitely a hold your hand, welcome you in kind of book. This is less so, which I prefer as a reader with a lot of familiarity with continuity. I don't think it's super challenging. Like, I don't think it's super difficult with the continuity, but there's plenty, like even in today's issue, for example, like the connection between J. Jonah Jameson and Peter Parker, um, where Jonah is apologizing profusely and Peter forgives him, that has a lot more emotional resonance if you've read a lot of Spidey comics and you've seen their history. I mean, he's referencing things 
they're not giving you the issue number where they happened, but like Jonah's role in the Spider Slayers and the Scorpion, that makes sense if you've read your Lee Ditko and your Lee Bermuda, right, um, from the 60s. Uh, it Less so, certainly, if you haven't. Um, I think you'd be fine. And Medias, thank you <laughs> to those of you screaming the answer, this, this Latin fool. Um, uh, anyway. You'd be fine reading it. You won't be confused, but I do think there's... It, it's kind of like any Marvel comic at this point. There's always value um, in knowing the continuity and knowing the history. Uh, if you want to get some Spidey experience, uh, come join the My Marvelous Year Reading Club, right? That's what we're doing in My Marvelous Year, the podcast and reading club. We are up to 1999, which means we're going to be starting the... J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr. run that started in the early 2000s on Amazing Spider-Man, which starts with some of my favorite Spidey comics. It's a really cool era where Pete goes on to, like, he's like a junior high science teacher, um, and there's just a lot of good stuff before it, like, <laughs> before it gets really controversially um, challenging for a lot of readers. But anyway, long, long story short, uh, it's a run you could pick up, but my advice to you, if you really want to like figure out where to get in with Spidey, I mean, my perpetual rec is check out Stanley, Steve Ditko, Silver Age Spidey comics. They're literally my tenth favorite comics of all time. I have the I have Amazing Spider-Man number one through one hundred and two, plus the first two annuals, as my tenth favorite comic book series of all time. Um, so always, 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 you should read those. But check out my this year if you wanna if you wanna guide in because we will we will guide you through that and it'll be a fun time. Um, yeah, I'm seeing Mark Millar's uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man run for a new reader-friendly run. That's coming up, too, in my world this year. That's the era we're at. So, I mean, hey, plug, plug, plug. But, like, you know, this podcast rules. This reading club rules. You'll have a fun time. <laughs> It'll be good. All right, let's see what other questions we got coming in. I've written some down. We're going to get to those as well. If you asked a question earlier, thank you for doing so. Um, to those of you who are joining later and, uh, cause I started early and have asked, yes, I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking. Um, I am out of the hospital. I literally had a surgery today. Everything went as planned. Um, I am tired. I am achy. I have read so many good comics over the last week. So like that's, that's the glass half full piece of this. <laughs> and my family has been amazing in helping with everything. So I am doing all right. Thank you to those of you who've expressed concern. I really, really appreciate that. Okay. All right, let's 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 talk about the Captain America in the room. Let's talk about the egg in the room. Um, spoilers for Judgment Day. Okay, let's get into it. So, Judgment Day number five uh, came out last week, and the big question that I'm getting from a reader here is: Please, or for a listener, please explain to me how Cap comes out of the egg with his shield. <laughs> okay, so the big twist at the end of Judgment Day number five, an event that is knocking it out of the park with final pages okay knocking it out of the park um the big reveal is exodus is like what are we doing resurrecting him you know this is heresy and nightcrawler's like tis, you know he's like it's only heresy if you if no nah, that was oh what was that oh mute <laughs> block this account i don't know i'm too tired to be trying to do my nightcrawler um could wagner there we go uh, so anyway, it's Captain America. <laughs> they resurrected Captain America. They were bypassing Cyclops. Um, and all we see so far is a big fist coming out of the egg with, holding a shield, holding the Captain America shield. Uh, the shieldness of it is goofy. Um, we have seen examples of mutants coming out of their eggs with like gear or prosthetics, I think. Um, for example, like obviously like famously like the Wolverines with their adamantium, um, I think Forge maybe with his like prosthetic limbs, uh, what are some other examples? Those are the first couple that come to mind. So that piece of it can happen. The other piece of it is, <sighs> I'll be polite. <laughs> I was, I was just, I was going to just say who cares, but I'll be polite. The other piece of it is. That sells the cliffhanger much better, regardless of logic. <laughs> As a storytelling device, I'm behind doing something that is like, does that make sense? Uh, well, regardless, it sells a cliffhanger way better than just a white fist in the air. 
<laughs> right? It just does. Um, so whether or not the, the shield itself makes sense, I don't know. Now, what is more interesting to me, what is more interesting to me by far is, are they actually resurrecting Captain America? That is more interesting to me by far. Um, the, there are two follow-up questions, if they are. One, is Cap secretly a mutant? I'm going to rule that out. <laughs> Go ahead and rule that one out. Captain America is not secretly a mutant. Okay. So then the second thing is, is can Krakoa actually resurrect humans and they've been either lying or misled to keep resurrection to themselves? That's kind of a bombshell, right? That's kind of a bombshell because obviously a big part of the lead into Judgment Day was word getting out about Krakoan resurrection, about the fact that they've conquered death and that they are not extending that to humanity. Well, if they can resurrect Captain America, maybe they can. Maybe they actually can. And what will that mean? They can't, they haven't even resurrected all the mutants yet. What if we get humans involved in the equation? Um, what if we get, you know, a situation where then the Avengers are like, cool, share that tech. We'll set up human resurrection, and now we just have endless cancer-verse life on Earth, you know? Um, so we could go that direction with the Marvel Universe. Mm, I'm not totally feeling it. I'm not totally feeling it. I think what is kind of more likely, what is kind of more likely to my mind, is that that's a chimera. That it's a chimera of Captain Krakoa, a.k.a. Cyclops, because there was reference there from Exodus saying we're bypassing resurrecting Cyclops. What if we're not actually? What if they actually are resurrecting Cyclops, but they're doing a chimera? And we're actually going to get our first chimera in an effort to prevent Judgment Day. Okay? Um, and that it's like some version of a Cyclops Captain Krakoa. Maybe there's Steve Rogers' DNA mixed into the equation. Maybe they just gave him the shield. You know? Um, the You know, the other option... The other option here, too, is Judgment Day is in a wild place right now. <laughs> like, Judgment Day, I'm so into this event. It's really flipping good. Um, it is, for sure, the best non-Hoxpox full Marvel Universe event since 2015 Secret Wars. No questions asked. Um, it's pretty high up there. I would say just in like the Marvel rankings right now, like Judgment Day is doing Infinity Gauntlet level. We're going for it, okay? Infinity Gauntlet, beloved, I love it, right? Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, George Perez, it's a classic. It's one of the best Marvel events of all time. Judgment Day's swinging for those fences, and I did not expect that of it. I did not demand that of it, but here we are, like. So many people have died. <laughs> it, it hasn't walked it back. It hasn't said it was all a dream. It's not a false reality. Okay? It's it's happening. Thor's dead. Mutants have died over and over and have been resurrected. Um, Captain Marvel's apparently dead. I think they referenced in one of the comics today. Like, it's doing it. It's really doing it. So the other piece with the Cap resurrection is... We have to bring everybody back somehow. Like, we have to get out of this trap somehow. Uh, so that actually lends some credence to the idea that Krakoa is going to be like, you know what, actually we can resurrect basically anyone. And that we're going to do that <laughs> because the population, like, what, however they defeat the progenitor, however that ultimately happens, is it going to then be up to the mutants and maybe the Eternals to resurrect the population of Earth in all these people who were wiped out in the progenitor attacks, which is going to open all kinds of, of really slippery slopes in challenging questions. Like, what about somebody who died the day before the progenitor? Do we then put them on the list? Right? It's just going to be question after question after question. Um, it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. And it feels like that's a possibility. It feels like that's a possibility. I kind of don't think that's totally going to be the answer, but it does feel like, you know, we're in that realm. I mean, I still personally prefer the Sins of Sinister connections 
and Mr. Sinister using his Moiras and sort of resetting the timeline and getting everyone back that way and then leading to whatever sinister machinations are going to set himself up successfully down the road as the way that we ultimately don't have a dead Thor. Because, like, here's the thing. is like, Magneto might be dead after that. I think Magneto will be dead for a while after this event. Um, but Thor's not gone. <laughs> that book isn't canceled, right? We're not really doing the wiping out of the Marvel Universe thing. You know, that's not actually going to happen. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting option, options. There's a lot of interesting options here. Um, but as far as Cap, the appearance of Cap, I don't think it's just straight up going to be Steve Rogers with his shield. Um, I think it's going to be some sort of Captain Krakoa variation. And I am personally of the camp that uh, people can come out of eggs holding whatever the hell they damn will please. And I generally don't care if I'm being completely honest. Uh, that is That is some suspension of disbelief that I am more than happy to apply to my mutant stories. All right, let's see what other questions and thoughts we got here. Seeing what about Empire? Empire is not even close. Empire was average at best, I thought. Um, let's see what else. The only event of contention is King and Black. King and Black let me down as well. I thought Absolute Carnage and King and Black had strong starts and then ultimately pretty poor finishes, um, which is also what I would say of the Cates and Stegman Venom run. Started great. Um, yeah, you know, kind of lost its way. Lost its way. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to keep a, a you know run going that long and keeping it really good. Uh, but yeah, King of Black doesn't come close for me either. Let's see what else. Seeing some support for the sinister reset theory, which definitely I am for. Um, people talking here about Charlie X having his telekinesis boosted post resurrections. I mean, Charlie X has died a lot in this event, and, you know, one thing we've seen consistently throughout the Krakoa era is when mutants undergo resurrection, they're, they come back just a little bit better, um, so the fact that he has resurrected so many times throughout Judgment Day does seem to be enhancing his abilities, I'm curious to see where that goes, we saw that reference to X-Men number 15 today, um, what else, next week we got an X-Men Red issue following up on, I would, I, I'd like to see Storm take Eska down, I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Like, Iska's annoying. <laughs> you know? Uh, like, just literally her mutant power. Like, her mutant power is so fun. And it's such a great character. And I, I'm so excited about the potential of Iska stories, uh, you know, here and down the future. Um, but Iska is literally, her mutant ability is to be a bandwagon fan, <laughs> which is super annoying, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I would like to see Storm uh, take her down a notch. That would be fun. Um... Let's see what else we got. We got some dark web comments. We can get to that. All right. So I then am going to get to the next comment on the list, which was, was wondering which character you feel Kieran Gillen is doing amazing work writing. For me, I love how he writes Crow. Uh, yeah, Gillen writes a great Crow. Crow is super fun in this event. Um, you know, so Axe Avengers is the tie-in today um, that basically looks at the crew that, made the progenitor, uh, Tony, Mr. Sinister, the two Eternals, and a handful of others, Jean Grey's in there. Um, they're all, like, inside the progenitor, trying to take him down that way. And the issue ultimately becomes Tony Stark's judgment, so it's a very Tony Stark character-focused issue. Tony Stark is, like, the one character that I just, it, it has never, in Gillen's hands, has never quite worked for me. I thought today's issue was totally fine. Um, not really a commentary on that, but, like, his, his Iron Man run of Marvel now, that's the one that I'm like, oh, that actually doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. I, just, I don't know what exactly it is. Um, but most other characters in Gillen's hands I love. Uh, the one that I'm probably most excited about through this event, Crow's a, Crow's a front runner for sure. Um, hmm. Exodus has been getting a ton of at-bats, which is really interesting. I don't think I would say Exodus is winning. Destiny could be winning like through the end of Immortal X-Men, right now just through judgment day probably not um crow's a great pick crow's a great pick yeah i mean if you're looking at this and just like okay whose event is judgment days like who's owning this event right like it'd probably be like storm and magneto in the pages of x-men red um crow uh uranos to some degree um 
I don't know that any of the, the individual Eternals are are quite owning it, right? Like Cersei was stronger in the Gil and Ribbage Eternals run that led up to it, as was Icarus, um, as was Druig, on and on and on. Mr. Sinister hasn't actually been knocking it out of the park the way that we know Gillen on Sinister is is capable of. Um, so yeah, I think those would be my lead picks right now. Uh, let's see. Today's X-Men issue was the best since Hickman's issues, somebody says. Hmm. <laughs> so it's follow-up to the Children of the Vault story, which was very exciting and very fun. Uh, we basically get the reveal here that Forge has been working on a Krakoan reality-warping dome that he has put over the vault so that when the vault do come out enhanced... Uh, that they think they're conquering the world, but actually they're just trapped in a fake reality. We've seen variations on that kind of story certainly a number of times. Um, what is probably the most interesting about the end of it is Forge wearing a weird Caliban X. <laughs> he turned Caliban into a face, uh, presumably so he can track down Darwin. Darwin is still lost in the vault, uh, so they're going to go find Darwin. Now, uh, this is exciting because Darwin's been left behind since the best Hickman X-Men issue, which would, which dealt with the fault and got sink and Laura out of there. Um, I'm curious to see what Darwin's connections to the vault might be. If the enhanced fourth generation is going to be like led by Darwin, like, will we be pulling a maker here where he's like, y'all left me. I had to find my way. Um, is he going to be totally forgiving of mutant kind that seems weird is he just going to be like get me out and i'm walking away very curious to see what the darwin situation is uh and seeing how forge and um at caliban apparently can go in and get him so yeah i'm excited for the next issue i would say i mean this issue itself is is kind of like the original vault setup that hickman did where it was like the first issue is kind of standard setup stuff and then the second issue was the real spectacle um, I'm hoping we get that with the second issue. Loving Josh Kassara on X-Men. Loving the return to the vault. Uh, as far as the best X-Men issue since Hickman left, so just looking specifically at that title and at Duggan writing the series, um, I was actually pretty into the initial uh, kind of fake out with Captain Krakoa and sort of the weirdness of a time jump there. Um, I actually, I probably liked... The issue where the Sinister of Clubs is revealed the best, I'm thinking. That was probably my favorite. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Let's see. I'm seeing her uh, comment. I really hope Dark Web doesn't reset the progress Madeline Pryor has made in New Mutants. Yeah, that piece of it is definitely going to have to be explained. That's a little weird. So Dark Web is the upcoming crossover. It's going to be post-Judgment Day. It's a Spider-Man, X-Men, Venom crossover. Uh, it's got Madeline Pryor teaming up with the artist formerly known as Ben Riley. So it's like Revenge of the Clone stuff. This would have made more sense before the most recent New Mutants arc, where Madeline Pryor and Magic kind of have a, a development, and Madeline Pryor is made the ruler of Limbo, and Magic entrusts that to her. Um, seeing Madeline Pryor back in very spiteful clone mode. I think would feel like regression. It would feel like it was ignoring that arc. So I fully agree. Um, if it just ignores that and undoes it, that's going to be really disappointing and weird. There, there needs to be a way that you explain why we, she would be doing both things. Uh, so I hope that the creators can pull that off because, you know, otherwise it would have made sense, right? Otherwise you just be like, okay, yeah, that's what Madeline Pryor does. Uh, ben Riley's in this Revenge of the Clones mode. All right, let's have at it. Uh, but, you know, that's not where the character's at currently. So I'm curious how they're, if they're going to pull that off. You know, I'd imagine, honestly, I mean, the, the dark web setup started in May. You know, with the free comic day issue, which means it was probably plotted and scripted well in advance of that. Uh, the new mutants issues came out over the course of the summer. So, like, these things are, I don't know how intersected those conversations would be. But now they're both out there, and you got to deal with that. Um, hopefully it's done smartly, because I, I fully agree that that's going to be kind of disappointing. All right, what else we got? Okay, okay, okay. What did you think of Exterminators number one? That's right, I forgot about Exterminators. It was fun. It was fun. This is the Lee Williams written 
uh, five issue mini. It is technically, uh, you know, mature audiences. Um, they're calling it Grindhouse. Uh, last issue was basically Dazzler, Boom Boom, uh, Jubilee, uh, all getting real drunk and captured by vampires, <laughs> and then needing to destroy them and uh, and escape their way. Um, it was fun and fine, and I am very pro more X-Men series like this, honestly. Like, just books about, like, here's a set of characters, and here is a low stakes, doesn't change the game for Krakoa kind of hangout book. Um, I think that's a nice opportunity to have. You know, Chris Claremont, when he was talking about, like, wanting to be involved with Krakoa again, he was like, give me a book where I can deal with the mutants who don't want to go to the island and tell those stories. And amongst the other things he said that I thought were weird or <laughs> didn't make sense, that piece of it, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, give me that book. Like, I do think there's a lot of opportunities still for books that are just like, hey, what is this like? What are mutants doing? Um, what kind of things are they going through? Uh, there's opportunity for that, obviously told in a creative and interesting vision. Um, you know, not everything needs to be massive, although I like that stuff too, certainly, the high concept stuff. Um, so yeah, the first issue didn't blow me away. I, I wasn't, uh, it's not like, oh, this is my favorite book or anything, um, but definitely I'm going to want to read issue two and kind of see what they can do with it. Um, but yeah, it's hard to hard to have too strong of an opinion beyond that. I know some folks like really love, you know, just X-Men characters getting drunk and being trashy. <laughs> like they really get off on that and more power to them. Uh, but I, I had a fine time with it. Okay. Uh, Twitch asks here in the super chat, welcome back from the land of the near dead. We all missed you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was uh, quite the shock to me to wind up. Uh, I was I was in the emergency room and then I was in the hospital overnight and, you know, as I said earlier, I had a surgery today. So all that is, uh, I have I've now been put out uh, with anesthesia twice in my life, <laughs> both times occurring in the last two weeks. So hoping to not need to do much more of that anytime soon. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all more or less out of pain meds at this point. So the glory days are behind me, <laughs> but I'm happy to be back and, uh, and moving forward. Okay. I'm seeing some commentary here about like whether or not Darwin has been resurrected. Uh, my memory of this is he was not. And I thought it was because they couldn't confirm that he was dead. Whereas Sink and Laura, they could. Um, that's an interesting question though. I don't think it's really been talked about a lot. Uh, if hardly at all, like, to, like my memory was he's still trapped in the, in the vault. Like, that, that lines up with how I remember those issues ending. Um, clearly, that is what they seem to be moving forward with, right? Forge is going on a rescue mission. I don't know that there's another Darwin out there, although there was, you know, when Forge goes into the vault at the end of this issue, there's somebody lingering, spying on him. Um, could that be a Darwin? Do we need two Darwins in this scenario? I'm not sure how much that adds to the story. I kind of prefer it just as a rescue mission and not having a resurrected Darwin. Uh, so that's that's how I understand that, for sure. Uh, okay. There we go. Do you think the X office is still following Hickman's roadmap, story-wise? Uh, broadly, yeah. I mean, I imagine, you know, there's sort of a... Here's what his ideas were. And these are kind of the big beats of stuff that that he was planning. And they're building to those sorts of things. But I imagine they're also iterating and changing um, a lot of that as well. Because you have eight professional storytellers in a room um, who probably don't just want to sit around and be beholden to, uh, you know, the vision of somebody who's not there anymore and who isn't doing anything with it. You know, uh, so I imagine they'll hit some of the same stuff and some of the same stuff about where it's going. But it's like we're not in the Hickman era anymore. We are not. That is that is dead and gone. And, uh, you know, I'm 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 increasingly less bummed about it as time goes on. I mean, certainly like I would have liked that. And it would have been fun, but that's not like there's a lot of things in the world that I would have enjoyed uh, that that turned out a different way. Right. Um, 
you know, so it's like everybody's made their professional decisions and gone their, gone their ways. And, you know, really all I care about now is that, uh, the, the good folks at three world, three moons reply to my email and join me for an interview for Hickmania on comic book Herald. Um, that's really all I need at this point. Uh, let's, let's get Hickman and Mike Huddleston and Mike Del Mundo. Uh, listen, hit them up, hit them up and tell them comic book Herald Hickmania is looking for them to join and to round out Hickmania with uh with the three moons three or three world three moons conversation speaking of creator interviews um i've been killing it lately just absolutely been crushing it um just amazing interviews i got an interview with brian michael bendis and artist andre limarujo on that's already up on you can get it via podcast on the comfort Girl podcast you can get it on the youtube channel i got the video up there as well uh we talked about their ya graphic novel phenomena the golden city of eyes which is one of my favorite books of the year it's really flipping good uh, getting a, getting to sit in this chair that you're seeing right now in my office and have Brian Michael Bendis join the chat was a trip. <laughs> that was, that was a flipping trip. Uh, definitely one of the creators that like was, was most critical when I was getting into comics and getting me into comics. Um, his new Avengers run was a huge part of that. Just getting me obsessed with Marvel comics and obsessed with the universe, ultimate Spider-Man, of course, all the mile stuff, alias, one of my favorite, but I would say alias is probably my favorite. Bendis work, certainly on the Marvel side of things. Um, I read like everything he put out in prep for this interview. I would say the most recent non-Marvel thing that I enjoyed was Cover. Six issues, really good. Uh, check out Cover if you haven't as well. Um, let's see, I got here open Mike Eagle in the chat saying, I want to interview Hickman too. Uh, Mike, if I get word, I'll ping you. <laughs> maybe maybe if we tag team this we can get the man the myth and the legend in the room uh, i found an email recently and i sent one um i just got a reply from rick remender today i'm just clearly i'm post-op because i'm just spilling tea uh he is no longer do he's not doing interviews but he did he did reply which was very polite which was very nice uh yeah this uh let's see i think it was maybe it was monday or like recently like i just like i was finally just like you know what i'm just gonna try to find contact for like everyone who I want to talk to and do a comic book interview about. Um, even the folks who I'm like, oh, there's no way. Like, I was just like, oh, whatever, I'll try. So, <laughs> so I got a lot of feelers out right now. Um, but I got a ton of amazing interviews that I've done and that I'll be doing. Um, and obviously some creators that are like lesser known, but are writing some of my favorite stuff of the year. So uh, what's uh, what's one of the biggest, I did Brad, I had Brad Meltzer, I did a phone interview with um, last week, uh, which was really interesting. Uh, he wrote Identity Crisis in addition to very, very busy career. Um, but that's obviously one of the biggest DC graphic novels of all time. So that was interesting to get to talk to him about that. Uh, but yeah, all right, Mike, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> any update on the Hickman front. Um, okay, what final questions do we got? Because I did not want to do this for too long. Canonically, isn't the Hickman era gone with the sinister time clones? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's all, it's all of an era. We don't need to get that semantic with the Sinister Time Clones, I don't think. Um, let's see. <laughs> uh, thoughts on the Hugh Deadpool 3 announcement? Um, okay, let's start there. Fun. Exciting. Uh, I think Deadpool is better situated for multiverse saga shenanigans than basically anyone in the Marvel Universe, like any Marvel character. Um, I saw somebody pitch a while back that a Deadpool kills the Marvel universe movie would be like the perfect MCU introduction. And through the multiverse, you could have, you could do it with all the old movies and all the old characters who aren't going to be playing a role in the MCU. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that would be so fun. This looked more like a tease for a Wolverine versus Deadpool kind of movie. Um, which, yeah, sure, great. It sounds super fun. I think uh, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman obviously have really fun chemistry. They've been playing around with it for years. The fact that they want to go back and do it is great. Uh, I I mean, broadly, I don't, I don't actually want Hugh Jackman to do anything with Wolverine as far as the MCU, like, is seriously doing X-Men content, you know? Like, I don't want... But if you're doing this weird sort of get him over in the multiverse thing specifically with Deadpool. And that's it. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, as long as that's kind of the end of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, like that character needs to be 
reimagined and recast and about one and a half feet shorter <laughs> this time. Um, but yeah, for, for the, uh, for this movie, I mean, it's going to be fun. Um, I hope they go bigger, frankly, than just Wolverine. You know, if you could do all of the old X-Men cast and just go way more massive with it. Um, I'd love to see Deadpool just uh, destroy the entirety of anyone who's ever been in a Fantastic Four movie. Like, please just purge all that from our memories, <laughs> including just, did you know, did you know, we've had two live-action Doctor Dooms, the greatest villain of all time, has been in two movies in the 2000s, not including the Roger Corman B-movie from the 90s. Um, and not once has this character been Latverian, uh, done anything with magic, uh, had a pet tiger, or been good <laughs> in any way. That is almost impossible. That is almost impossible to pull off. So Deadpool, please, please destroy these old dooms so we can out with the old doom, in with one proper Doctor Doom. Please, please. Uh, I'm seeing here the suggestion that the Hugh Jackman thing could be a giant troll. Um, I, it crossed my mind. It did. It definitely crossed my mind that, like, what if, what if, like, we never actually see Hugh? You know, what if, like, he's, you see, like, a shadow of Wolverine and, like, he's kind of in the background, but, like, you never actually see him in the movie? I'm here for the joke of it. Like, I would not be bothered by him not actually being in the movie, but that would take some real guts. <laughs> That would take some genuine guts to tease it this directly. You know, there's no subtlety. There's no like, oh, maybe about this. Like they're saying we're doing this thing to then not do it would really be a kick in the teeth. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised by that if they actually backed out of it. I really, really would. Um, but it, I mean, I, I'd kind of be into it. I'd kind of be into it. I'm pretty pro- right now like the mcu not giving people what they want like fans are fans are too feel too much of a sense of ownership are too entitled and just feel this about pop culture in general right now <laughs> you know with certain like like everyone's very disappointed all the time because uh oh they didn't reveal the fantastic four you know the full cast or oh the you know dr doom wasn't in multiverse of madness or whatever it is right and i'm susceptible to some of that stuff as well but at the same time then i do appreciate creators just being like that's not what i want to do screw you <laughs> like i kind of like that attitude uh so I'm, I'm not i'm not opposed um okay okay let's see give me dupe I'm saying from JJ here, I'm entitled. That is Now, that is a degree of entitlement that I am on board with, that I agree with, and that I demand from, <laughs> from the storytellers. Uh, Dupe and Deadpool 3 makes a lot, it makes as much sense as Hugh Jackman. The question really is just who do you cast and why is it Danny DeVito? That's really the only question. Uh, question here from Bill. Will you interview Jerry as he's doing press for his photo book Kickstarter? Um, if Jerry Duggan would acquiesce to coming on the Comic Herald interview show, I would happily have him. I would happily, happily have him. Curious how much I say here. Uh, one thing I will say is I will be interviewing Karen Gillen, uh, for a Comic Herald live here on the channel as a Judgment Day post game show. We will have the event writer on CBH Live for a Judgment Day post-game show. I'm super excited about it. I'm excited about it in so many ways because one, Karen's great. Uh, I'm loving Judgment Day. It's gonna be super fun to talk about it. And also it gives me a much needed excuse to read all of Wiktiv through for the first time, to catch up on Once in Future, um, to go back and try Die again. I just, I'm gonna do the full catalog thing, which is what I always do. Uh, for, for creator reviews. That's my thing with creator reviews now is I'm like, all right, if I'm going to interview somebody, if I'm going to have them on, do they have a catalog that I want to dive into like a maniac? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, then I go for it. Um, but yeah, that should be super fun. I think it's going to be a great conversation. It's going to be post-game. So it's going to be after the Omega issue, I want to say, in November. Um, so we're a little ways out, but that is the plan. Uh, so, you know, like, subscribe to the channel and all that fun stuff, and you can uh, you can be a part of that. I think we're going to do it on a weekend, so it should be, like, you know, actually a time when people have time to join and um, watch stuff like that. 
<laughs> instead of my usual, uh, you know, middle of the day, whenever the heck works for me stuff. But yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be super, super fun. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm also trying to get Victor Laval back on. I had Victor Laval on um, one of my earliest guests, probably within the first 20 in 2020. Um, I'm trying to have, I have him back on to talk Sabretooth and the Exiles. I saw he just announced that his book, Devil and Silver, is going to be made into a six-issue AMC series with current Iron Man writer uh, Chris Cantwell. Um, so that's super exciting. So he may be just booked up to his ears in busyness. Um, but obviously, if that one happens, I'll let people know as well. But yeah, it's going to be good. All right, get any final questions, get any final thoughts, and we'll wrap this puppy. Okay. Um, I'm going to give a quick rundown of my favorite drugged out reads over the past week. Let's see. We're going to pull them up here, baby. <laughs> I read a boatload of comics, and uh, obviously that was the perfect way to spend the time in bed. Okay, number one on the list, we got uh, Monster by Na Naoki Urasawa. Been, uh, I'm, I'm six volumes deep into that manga, so that's been fun. I don't love it as much as Pluto, which I adored. Um, but it's it's very addicting. I'm enjoying it. The best we could do, number two on the list. That is a memoir uh, graphic novel by uh, I, I cannot pronounce this, so I'm just going to apologize in advance. Rather than try that, I'm just going to spell it. First name T H I, last name B U I. Uh, it's about a Vietnamese family and kind of the it, it couples uh, you know history of Vietnam and and you know kind of their experiences in america um i also read Vietnam america which is a, a graphic novel that does very similar things but the best we could do was the one that stood out the most to me number three we got blue is the warmest color by julie moreau uh this is a story of a young lesbian romance uh it is a gorgeous graphic novel and it was made into a movie that did really well and it, it really resonates as a graphic novel number four sports is hell by Ben Passmore. I think this won an Eisner last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, just incredibly smart and funny and scary and scathing social commentary um, in in just like an absolute madness and incredibly, incredibly striking visual graphic novel. Has probably the most memorable line of dialogue I've read in anything this year and also the best riff on Colin Kaepernick. I've seen in a graphic novel, for sure. Uh, and then number five on the list, Infinitum by Tim Fielder. This is a, it's an Afrofuturist graphic novel. It is the story about like an African king who's cursed to live forever. And the book takes that premise and it flipping runs with it. If you love the powers of 10 distant future X-Men stuff, you'll probably really like this graphic novel. That's infinitum, okay? So those are my top five. These are all going to go on the best comics of all time list on Comic Book Herald. Of course, if you Google the best comics of all time or you go to Comic Book Herald and look for it, uh, you will find it. I only post my top 500. The list itself, though, is now going to be up to 850 ranked comics. So there's a... Which, like, why... I'm ranking and pulling data <laughs> for for 300 plus comics that I don't even publish is beyond me, um, but it's happening, okay? But it's happening. So those are my, my five faves that I would recommend people check out. All right, let's see. What final questions do we have? Uh, Professor X has died the most out of every comic hero I can think of. Every movie he's dying, and he's died many times in the comics. Who's died more? I mean, Bruce Wayne's parents, right? Have probably died the most of anyone, um, as far as, like, heroes, characters that actually have books, who's died more, um, I just can't count, like, Deadpool or Wolverine, right, those aren't really deaths, uh, what about Mr. Immortal, doesn't he, like, just die and come back, isn't that his deal on the Great Lakes Avengers, he's probably up there, um, Ra's al Ghul, villain, I suppose, Jason Todd, maybe just the once, just one big time, <laughs> you know, uh, Professor X is up there. That's for sure. That's for sure. He's also, he's also, if you count times he faked his death as well, in addition to actually died, then he is winning by miles, miles and miles. I checked out Strange number five today. I have not, uh, but I do enjoy that series. I'll catch up at some point. Do you think they should make Hoxpox into a video game similar to X-Men Legends? Ooh. 
Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, so they brought back Ultimate Alliance with Ultimate Alliance 3. And do we bring back X-Men Legends with a Krakoa-era game? I'm into it. I'm into it. That'd be really interesting. Uh, now, the challenge, I think, is what is the, like, video game action narrative of Hoxpox? Not really there, you know? It's not really there. You'd have to do a lot more expanding the futures. You'd have to do a lot more expanding the various timelines of Moira's lives. Uh, you'd also have to do a lot more developing Orcus. All things that I wish <laughs> the comics had done. Uh, so I, I kind of, I with video game, with um, with like the animated series relaunch, uh, or with like the MCU and X-Men and the MCU, I don't think Hoxpox is a good idea because I don't think they're there yet. Um, in any of those other mediums. I think it was a thing that was very specifically suited to comics and the needs of comics. Now, I think those ideas can and should be adapted in in some form a little bit down the road. But, like, especially for, like, the MCU, you know, I've seen people be like, oh, start with Hawk Pox. That's an insane place to start. <laughs> like, like, that's absolutely preposterous. To start there, uh, you need, you need the background of feared and hated mutants for Hoxpox to have any kind of impact, I think. So I, I wouldn't jump right to it just yet. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the video game idea. I'd love to salvage just an X-Men Legends game in general, right? I did whatever the premise. <clears throat> Mr. Mortal was in the last episode of She-Hulk. What? <laughs> Spoilers, y'all. I'm, I'm a couple episodes behind on She-Hulk. Well, that's exciting. Of course he is. Of course the Great Lake Avengers should get their moment. Uh, that's very exciting. You could stop Moira from turning an evil robot in the X-Men video games. That's true. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, well, how much flexibility are you going to get to, like, do the story right? Uh, okay. Looks like we got it. Let's see. Oh, okay. I'm being called out here. Only listing 500. Call me lazy. Timothy, coming for me. <laughs> Call me lazy. Well, I've, I've ranked the top 100 and 850 now. I only post 500. because You know the reason I did this? The reason I did this... One, just for space. Like, I could post them just as easily. I could post the whole thing. The reason I did it, though, is it started to get to a point where after you got outside the top 500, they stopped being comics I was, like, excited about, right? They stopped being comics I was excited to recommend. So then it felt like kind of a, a misleading thing where I was like, these are the best comics of all time, but, you know, 450 through 500 I don't even like, right? So I that was that was the main idea. And at this point, I mean, let's say, like, like once you get to 500, you know, it's still a comic that I'm that I'm pretty into. Let's see what I got right now. Uh, number 500 on the list currently is uh, a graphic novel I just read that's really good. Suzanne, the Jazz Age Goddess of Tennis. Really good stuff. Um, I enjoyed that one. I've got New 52 Wonder Woman by Brian Azrell and Cliff Chang right above that. Pretty Deadly right above that. Silver Surfer by Stanley the Manly and John Buscema. So like, yeah, like like we're we're hitting good stuff that I like. Um, but if you if I you know I've shared this before, but like once we get to 800 and once we get to like 800 we're talking my least favorite comics of all time uh two of which two of which came out during the Krakoa era of x-men <laughs> personal bias personal bias all right thanks everybody for listening appreciate you all being here i'm seeing thoughts on defenders beyond it's awesome i talked about it at the very beginning um it's super super fun if you really like Marvel Cosmic stuff. Al Ewing's doing a great job with it. If you like Beyonders, if you like Phoenix, if you like someone casually referencing Jonathan Hickman's Dominions from Powers of Ten, read Defenders Beyond. And Javier Rodriguez is like one of the coolest looking artists in all of comics. So the books look amazing. Um, I think it's a little too like high-minded and not centered, you know, kind of a lot of times. Um, I think a lot of the story would actually work better as a data page, frankly, in a, a number of instances. But good. Check it out. All right. Thanks everybody for joining. And as always, enjoy the comments.